0: And welcome back to the Testudo Times podcast, Episode 9, the football season preview edition, where if Kanye West could seriously run for president in 2020, then Perry Hills could seriously lead Maryland to a Big Ten title in 2015. I'm joined by two people to help me preview Maryland football 2015. First of all, the grand Poop of Testudo Times, Pete Volk. Hi, Pete. How are you?
1: I am great. Excited for football season.
0: I am very excited for football. Were you watching Montana, North Dakota State on Saturday?
1: Uh, I was. You bet You bet. I did. I covered it.
0: Brent Musburger saying, You are looking live from wherever in Montana he was, was kind of soothing, wasn't it? Oh, always. Wherever he could say, Well, he did say, You are looking live from the World Cup final in Berlin in 2006. That wasn't quite as soothing, but let's not go into a tangent to that. And the other person joining us today is a fellow senior of, at the University of Maryland, Alex Kirster. Hi, Alex. Hey, Matt. How creepy was it today to see the freshmen that are now at Maryland who were quite small and Way too young-looking for, my mind to comprehend. I'm thinking, well, wait, weren't these
2: kids just like twelve two minutes ago? It's weird. Well, yeah, it would have been uh, would have been creepier to see you, no doubt. But unfortunately, ah, we, hey, hey. we don't have class together anymore. I don't well, know what the deal don't. is there. No, yeah.
0: or maybe, well, it's only one day. Maybe we've got a couple more days uh, of classes. God willing, God willing. God, will, well, do you really want classes with me? It doesn't it doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for all of your questions. We really appreciate it. This is how we're going to do the questions going forward. We'll post it in the MM in the morning. But let's cut right through the fat and get right to the meat of the thing. And before we get to the new season, I like to review last season. It's part of how I preview a new team. Maryland last year was 7-5 in their first season in the Big Ten, and they went 4-4, which is not bad, all things considered. And it could have been better if not for an unfortunate collapse and a – Crazy field goal make at the end of regulation. So, Pete, what is the popular perception of Maryland football going into the twenty fifteen season?
1: Well, you know, it's generally between four and seven wins. Uh, Bill Connolly, who, who ranked every team and put them in tiers, has Maryland in a group that up like ten fifteen schools, where it's two of these teams will play at a top twenty five level. It's not great odds that Maryland's going to be one of them, but there's a chance that. Uh, you know Maryland overplays performances. Generally, what I've seen is you know some people on the, the lower end thinking four or five wins on the higher end six, seven wins. So I think that's that's probably the fair range of expectation for Maryland football this year.
0: And Alex, what do you think the internal uh, perception is of Maryland football? You can take a more optimistic or pessimistic view, whichever you want. How do you think
2: uh, Maryland fans and the program view this upcoming season? I think fans in the program probably view it a little differently, and the program uh, has every right to be excited. They're in the same boat with 13 other Big Ten teams and 127 other Division One teams as being 0-0, zero and zero. Um, three games right at the top that really shouldn't be hard, so a good chance to start unblemished. Um, I think that if you ask people in their heart of hearts what they expect this team to be, I don't think it would be a lot different than what Pete just described than what Bill Connolly described Uh, when he ranked them in that group Um, but you know there's there's potential there in both directions and that's part of the fun that's why they're gonna play the games
0: well let's start with one of the reasons why there is some variability in those projections Maryland's starting quarterback has been announced and it's not who we expected it's not who I expected and it's not who we assumed was going to be the starting quarterback from April until now the first eight podcasts well the first seven let's be honest Perry Hills is the starting quarterback. That is not something I thought I was going to say watching him as a freshman in 2012. Uh, Alex, you saw more practices than Peter I did. How did this happen?
2: Um, actually, quick note, I didn't see uh, much practice. And by much what? practice, I mean hardly any because uh, I've been kind of jumping around, you know, globe trotting a little bit the last couple of weeks. Um, Busy boy. But, but you know, probably, probably best to let Randy Edsel tell uh, rather than me. Sorry to disappoint. I'll be hopefully more often in the future. Um, <laughs> but better to have Randy Edsel tell it uh, the way that he has and the way that he's told it a lot of times before, no matter whose quarterbacks quarterback have been, uh, which is that Edsel doesn't need Maryland's quarterbacks to be the guys to win them games. Um, though that could change when Dwayne Haskins gets to town. Uh, he needs quarterbacks who will manage games and not lose games. Uh, that can be said about About 80% of NFL quarterbacks and 90% of college quarterbacks, probably. Um, But Perry Hills has always demonstrated that he keeps Maryland in games. He did it as a freshman when he never should have been playing. Uh, He did it as a third stringer when he made a spot appearance against Iowa in a game Maryland won last year. And he's never given Maryland any indication that he'd be anything but steady. So it's a credit to him that he found his way into this battle uh, for Maryland's quarterback position and that he ultimately won it.
0: Pete, when I think back of uh, to Perry Hills as uh, a quarterback, I think back to 2012 when he's showing a lot of underneath routes to Stephon Diggs, how his stats got padded quite a bit, and also playing behind the turnstile that was Maryland's offensive line three years ago. Even last year, he was kind of doing the same thing, but to a lesser degree. When, per- when you say Perry Hills, Maryland's starting quarterback, you have a certain thought that pops into your head. Are we being clouded by past biases when we think about Perry Hills in 2015? Because it's safe to assume he's not the same quarterback.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that those biases are certainly there. But at the same time, it's just impossible for us to really say what Maryland's going to get. I mean, it's impossible for even the coaches to know because you can only tell so much from practice. Um, and Perry Hills had performed well enough in games that there was certainly a loud subset of the Maryland fan base that wanted to see him win the job. Um, you know, I think Randy Etzel has talked about uh, Perry Hill's increased arm strength. That was one of the big concerns with having him be a Big Ten starting quarterback. And the other big concern was his high sack rate of the three competing quarterbacks. He had the highest curse sack rate. Um, I think he was sacked on like 11% of snaps of passing attempts. Dax Garman was at 10% and Caleb Rowe was at 3%, um, which is a very big difference. Uh, but I think you know, that's very skewed by that 2012 offensive line. You know, a lot of sacks actually do have to do with what the quarterback does in the pocket and outside. Um, So we really have to wait and see this year how much of that high sack rate was Maryland's offensive line and how much was Perry. Uh,
0: So here's a simple question for both of you. I'll start with you, Pete. Is Perry Hills, based on what we know and all the numbers we have, is he the best option to lead Maryland this season?
1: I think that the, the closest thing we have in, to an answer to that question is the fact that Randy Etzel picked him out of the three competing quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's you can get a lot from numbers, but, you know, especially in college, as players improve greatly from year to year, uh, it's, it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, you, it's easier to look at those numbers and just say qualitatively, here's who has played the best. And out of the three, it was clear that caleb rowe and perry hills play better than dax garnett it wasn't apparently clear which one of the two was better but it is definitely clear that caleb rowe has a stronger arm so i think that you know this is something people talk about a lot but it's true uh caleb rowe does offer you a probably a better threat in the vertical game but perry hills uh, is apparent it seems to be a more accurate passer so there are positives and negatives to both um and I, I imagine Maryland's going to be flexible in their in their quarterback decisions uh, throughout the season.
0: And going off one of that, and going off that, one of our questions we got from CK Stevenson today was, "Do you expect the offense to change much if Rower Garman was a quarterback, and how different I- is it going to look with Perry Hills a quarterback?" So Alex, I'll throw that one to you. We talked a little bit about this last week,
2: Pete, but I want Alex's opinion on this. Uh, I don't know because Maryland, obviously, last year uh, did. An an inordinate amount of zone read uh, and and just straight read option plays in the run game because C.J. Brown was the quarterback. Um, C.J. Brown, uh, a great guy, a Pittsburgher, much like Perry Hills, (laughs) (laughs) got my my respect in that regard. But um, C.J. Brown, C.J. Brown, required Maryland to use its quarterback in a certain way because he was such a a below-average passer. I think he wound up with, like, 5.6, 5.7 yards per attempt. Um, Maryland's going to have a better passer, uh, whether Perry Hills keeps the job all year or not. Um, So I think that there's going to be some difference between, you know, how Perry Hills or even Rowe or Garmin played relative to Brown, but relative to each other. um, I, I think we might put Perry Hills and Caleb Rowe in a box and say, and that's actually a term Michael Oxley used about Rowe last year, uh, you know, we put this guy in a box, but he's pretty athletic. I think the same thing can be said for Hills. Um, As I'm sure TV commentators will remind you very early on Saturday, he is a high school wrestling star. Uh, yeah. He's a pretty athletic guy, big guy. Um, so I would think that Maryland could retain some of that kind of quarterback mobility flavor, um, no matter who the quarterback is. But I also would think that they've left a, a somewhat vanilla system, given that they're breaking in so many new receivers as well as the quarterbacks that I don't think there'd be a drastic difference um, if Roe or Garmin came in at any point.
0: And a new offensive line as well. Hey, Ryan Rucco, who's calling the game on Saturday, listen to the podcast. You'll get good prep information. And uh, Alex, you're no better at uh, inserting random Pittsburgh references than Doc Emmerich is. Just had to get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, Pete, Uh uh, it's safe to assume, because there's such a thing as the Maryland, angry Maryland quarterback hating God, that for injury or one other reason, that Maryland we're not going to see just one quarterback all season. We're likely going to see two. We might even see three. Uh, do you, Caleb Rowe is probably the first option if Maryland does have to make a change for blowout or injury or whatever reason. What if it was going badly? How badly would it have to go for a change to be made? I know I like these questions a lot, but <laughs>
1: I, I, you know, I think that it's honestly they're going to play it by ear. I don't think that there's any sort of, like, marker for that. Just because, you know, your first game's against Richmond. That's an FCS opponent. I think, ideally, Maryland has Perry Hill start the game and play the entirety of the first half for sure. Ideally, by the time halftime's around, the game's out of hand. And then you can maybe have Perry Hill's play half of the third quarter before putting in Caleb Rowe for a quarter and then Dex Garmin for half of the fourth. I imagine... If things go right against Richmond, you will see all three of them in that game. And then from that point on, how bad it would have to be for Perry Hills to get the hook? I mean, it. I imagine after interception number two in a short period of time, you're starting to think about it.
0: So let's move on to from pe- the quarterbacks to the quarterback's weapons. We saw a lot of change in the, uh, in the wide receiving core, which had been one of Maryland's great strengths in the last couple of years, ever since I got here. But... Diggs, Long, and Leak are all gone. Tavon Jacobs and Laverne Jacobs are back. And Amba Adetawa has supposedly improved a lot this offseason uh, off and during training camp. Another question we got was who is going to be the most explosive wide receiver. And, Pete, we talked about this last week as probably being Amba Adetawa. Let's talk about the receiving core. What should we expect from them this season? And how how do you see this unit playing out? Is it still going to be – it's not going to be as strong as it was in past years. But is it still going to be one of the strongest units on the team?
1: There's potential, but uh, the depth is pretty thin. I think that's a problem. I think one of the the biggest names, uh, you know, there's so many names that left uh, wide receiver. (laughs) So many wide receivers who left Maryland's program this past year, and you mentioned a lot of them. Jaquillo Bay is another, but Juwan Winfrey is one of the big ones. Yes, uh, forgot him. Very talented player, played well in limited playing time last year as a true freshman, was going to play a big role on the team this year. I think Maryland has three wide receivers, um, at the top, Laverne Jacobs, Amba Editao, and Tavon, Tavon Jacobs that most fans probably feel confident about, and I think with good reason. I think that there is some reason for hope beyond that in that Tavon Jacobs and Malcolm Culmer are sharing one of the wide receiver jobs right now, which means um, that Culmer hopefully has played up to a level to compete with Jacobs and not just really down to Culmer's mm-hmm. level. But, you know, you have DJ Moore, a true freshman, who made the, the two deep. Uh, there are some explosive weapons. It's just if people start to get hurt, and wide receiver is a position where people get hurt fairly often, um, things could get a little drastic.
0: Very quickly. Uh, Alex, what do you think about the
2: wide receiver position this year? I think Pete hit the nail pretty much on the head. Um, it, it'd be really interesting uh, to see if somebody who's not currently in a starting position um, makes a dent. Um, you know, there, there's not. Uh, after DJ Moore, a huge amount of of pedigree there. Uh, you know, Will Ulmer is, is sort of more, you know, was probably more known as a quarterback when he was a recruit, even though that wasn't his future. Um, he's not even on the two deep, although he might be the fastest guy on the team. Um, if he's not, then it's probably Tavon Jacobs. Um, so that I think that's something that Maryland fans should be excited about um, seeing Tavon and Laverne Jacobs back. Um, but I, I agree with Pete. There's there's the potential for the thin depth of, of that group to make it a problem. Um, that said, if if Maryland's passing game is bad, my guess is that it won't be because of the receivers.
0: Right? Good call. I'm not. A, I would agree with you on that. Uh, quickly, I want to get to the running backs. Last year, it was a lot of talk about uh, West Brown or Brandon Ross, who is going to be the man. To lead Maryland in the backfield, it ended up being Brandon Ross a lot more of the time than it was West Brown. Uh, do we see anything different this year? Again, same story with the wide receivers. There is a lot less depth than there was in years past, but the top, West Brown and Brandon Ross are still pretty solid, aren't they, Alex? I'm going to have
1: to debunk
2: you there, Matt.
0: Oh, not? I. Uh,
1: I've Pete's, been debunked. Pete's, Pete's got a pretty,
2: uh, a pretty strong case to make here. I want to make it first. He's being well,
0: a myth buster.
1: The, the fact, this is a pretty common myth among Maryland fans that Brandon Ross got uh, more of the share last year. West Brown led the team in carries.
0: He he did uh, demonstrably worse
1: with those carries. It felt he fun. did, and that is an important point. But, but just it, with the carries, and not that. Just right. in terms of like workload, West Brown actually was the running back used most frequently by Maryland last year. It's that a, will it change didn't seem screen.
0: like it at all.
1: Yeah, I, I and, and I understand why. I mean, I think I, I think that there's some. You know, Maryland fans want to see even more of West Brown because he's the four-star guy versus the two-star Brandon Ross. But it is true that, A, Brandon Ross got more carries last year, and, B, he was much, much, much better than West Brown when he got those carries. Now, that's not saying that Wes Brown can't be good, can't be very good. He's a great talent. I mean, he's got a fantastic frame. He's got all the tools to be a fantastic Big Ten running back. But um, just looking at what he's done so far, Brandon Ross is the guy, and he won the job in camp uh, when the two-deep came out. Brandon Ross is alone as the starting running back many, many, many times. Maryland has named two starting running backs, even As games approached so i think that says a certain amount of confidence that randy etzel has specifically in brandon ross's ability to hold on to the ball because his only problem last year was fumbling and it was a big problem but he's been working on that that was like his specific focus in camp and i think the fact that he won the job outright over west brown instead of they could have easily had them share the job going into an fcs game i mean who cares uh that shows a, a level of confidence that i think should inspire some confidence in the running game for maryland fans
0: It's great because the quarterback isn't going to run nearly as much or as effectively as C.J. Brown did in past years, which was an element of his game I thought was less appreciated. But he's graduated now, so let's move on. One of the areas that has, yeah, C.J. Brown
1: just quickly, C.J. Brown was the only running back, was the only person on Maryland's team who was a better running runner than Brandon Ross. I mean, putting it bluntly, Brown was Maryland's best running back. Even I'd also
2: note, I'd also note that Maryland did get pretty good production from Brown in one area, which was receiving. Yes, Um, actually, it's interesting. Uh, West Brown caught 90, 90 plus percent of his targets. He caught 21 of 23 passes that Maryland quarterbacks threw to him. Um, Brandon Ross was down around 60%, um, even though, interestingly, uh, I think that might have to do with where he was on the field because they had about e- about even uh, yards for targets. Uh, but the point is that West Brown's very sure handed, uh, and he could be a guy uh, that if Maryland's offensive line uh, does break down, especially while Damian Prince is injured, Um, that West Brown might be the guy Maryland puts out there as a, as a check down option for Hills.
0: Good segue. Thank you for that, Alex. Let's talk about the offensive line. It had been a sticking point, an area of concern for, I don't know. It feels like ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's not the case, but it it's not an exaggeration. It's true. Oh, okay. You've been involved with Maryland sports much longer than (laughs) I have. So I will defer to you on that. So as a unit, it should be improving. But as Alex just mentioned, Damian Prince is injured. So in the early going, let's talk about the first three games and then when we get to Big 10 play. In the first three games, what should we expect from Maryland's offensive line? Well, I'd like to
1: of- start by saying that like it's so completely Maryland for Maryland to get two blue chip offensive tackles and then both of them to be hurt.
0: Angry Maryland offense, angry Maryland offensive line, hating God. It's just I it's very frustrating. I love this team so much. Continue.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, out of the offensive line, I think the first step chart was a little bit disappointing just because you see Damien Prince kicked off the depth chart, five-star offensive tackle, replaced by Mike Minter, a former walk-on now that he was awarded a scholarship yesterday. I will point out Mike Minter owned me so hard on Twitter because oh. I tweeted like somewhat sarcastically, uh, Maryland replaced a five-star offensive tackle on their depth chart with a walk-on. Everything's great. Everything's fine. And Mike Minter favorited it. Yes. So Where I see off- Mike Minter. Very well done. I have high confidence in Mike Minter just off that bold favoriting alone. He's my, uh,
0: new fa- he's my new favorite player.
1: Beyond that, though, honestly, you know, he's whenever you see a walk-on that redshirts, that's usually a sign that they are above the fold of walk-ons because it's very rare that a team will say, yeah, we need you for five years instead of four. Um, Minter redshirted. So did Ty Tucker, who also received a, uh, a scholarship the other day. Um, and you know he's done very well in camp. He's always been a presence on the depth chart, and moved back and forth between the offensive and defensive lines. Um, I, I I think that him at starting left guard will probably be fine. Um,
0: at least for the against first three Richmond. Games.
1: Against Richmond, I don't know about the first three. I mean, honestly, Bowling Green and, and South Florida could pose problems, but Richmond shouldn't be a problem. As far as the other positions on the line, left tackles Michael Dunn, another former walk-on. Um, He has done very well. I mean, Maryland now, their left side is entirely former walk-ons. But, hey, you know what? It worked for Andrew Ganella. It's worked for plenty of other people. It's not common, but if it works, that's great. Um, At center, Evan Mulrooney, solid. I mean, uh, Sal connaboy has been there forever, but Mulrooney's always been great as his backup. Last year, he was moved to left guard but missed the year because he was uh, sick. Uh, And uh, right guard, Andrew Zeller, most experienced, I would say, offensive lineman. I don't know, Alex, you could say, I guess, Ryan Doyle's technically more experienced. But Ryan Doyle has had a rough go of it throughout his Maryland career. I mean, he was moved inside from tackle to guard because, frankly, he was not cutting it at tackle. Um, But they put him back there now because Prince is hurt. And I'm sure that will be probably fine against Richmond. But unless he's made significant strides, and again, college, possible, I mean, you can make huge strides from year to year when you're this young. Uh, Unless that happens, that's not going to be something they want long-term.
0: Okay, Alex, what is the ideal version of this offensive line look like when we start
2: Big Ten play in October? Uh, I guess the ideal version is what Maryland puts on its preseason depth chart before injuries and anything else happened. Um, That means Dunn, Mike Dunn at the left tackle spot, uh, Ryan Doyle, at left guard, not at right tackle where he was for most of last year and where he is uh, again now. Um, Mulroney still at center, Zeller still at right guard, uh, and certainly Damian Prince at right tackle. um, With Derwin Gray uh, a four-star, to princes five-star tackle, uh, hopefully pushing for playing time. I mean, that would be Maryland's best outcome by far. Um, But, you know, that's not always how it is, and that's life. Um, And it's tough given the... The, the caliber of linemen that Maryland will see this year. Uh, fortunately for Maryland, Michigan doesn't come to town for a month from right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michigan's going to have a very good defensive front, much like almost everybody in Maryland's division in the Big Ten. Um, in fact, really everybody in Maryland's division is going to have a, a terrific defensive front, except for maybe except Indiana. For uh, Rutgers, who Rutgers, so I don't even know if they're going to win more than a no, conference game or two. Even Rutgers is going to have a devastating defensive line.
1: Yeah, Um, it's their strength. I mean, like every Big Ten team, no matter how good, except for Indiana, has a great defensive
2: line. (laughs) Does
0: Indiana count as a Big Ten team? I mean, I guess they're there, but anyway. But
2: The the point is that's – I mean, Maryland is kind of keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, you've seen Maryland move to a 4-3, which puts them in the same boat as every team. And this is on the other side of the ball. But it puts them in the same boat as every team that their offensive line will face this year. Um, I don't think Maryland's there yet because the defensive tackles um, aren't, you know, the defensive tackles aren't historically guys who have played defensive tackle or at least started um, at defensive tackle in the case of uh, Quentin Jefferson. Um, but Maryland's offensive line is going to face guys that have, um, and they're going to face guys that are really good. There are probably, what would you say, Pete? Maybe maybe five, minimum probably, of five first-round picks just in Maryland's division just on defensive lines. That Maryland's going to see this year. So that offensive line—I don't know about giving a number, but it's—it's too many for comfort. I'll say that. Yeah, Uh, it's—it's going to be devastating. So Maryland's offensive line really does need to take some kind of shape in the next 30 days or so.
0: All right, Alex, thank you again. You have become the Segway master. You are amazing. <laughs> I love this. Continue this for future podcasts. You are saving me the effort of having to find a Segway. It's like those old Monty Python segments where they just made up links that didn't make sense. Uh, that would be me. But thank you again, Alex. Uh, let's talk about the defensive line and continuing that, the front seven. Only Yannick and Gawkway's back, basically, from the front seven of last year, which was a really good unit, was, the, was incredibly solid in a lot of things. Except on defense, and now they've moved from a three-four to a four-three. So, Pete, the the first uh, two deeps are telling us quite a lot about how this four-three is going to shape up. What is it going to look like, and uh, who are the? I mean, we always talk about Yannick Ngakwe, who's really the best pro prospect everyone has. What's this four-three going to look like in practice?
1: Yeah, you know, it's that's I think a question a lot of us have. Uh, Keith, Bidzinski, what's your the best new G- guess? What's your best well, guess? Keith- Keith Dudzinski, the new defensive coordinator, uh, comes from the Don Brown School of Coaching. Um, He was Don Brown's defensive coordinator at UMass. Uh, For those fans who think that name sounds familiar but aren't quite sure, Don Brown was uh, Ralph Regan's last defensive coordinator. You may remember his ultra-super-aggressive defenses with lots of crazy blitzes. So there's a strong chance that Maryland runs something like similar to that this year. Um, We really have to wait and see. I think that... You know, like you said, Yannick Ngakwe is a tremendous player to have coming off the edge. We're talking about the defensive line now, and uh, him, he's on one side, Roman is on the other. Broglio's another talented kid. Um, unlike Ngakwe, he hasn't, like, been a starter for Maryland yet, but he's done a fine job in a backup role Um and then tackle, I and mean, you have two players who have experience. David Shaw was a true freshman last year. Wasn't highly touted as a recruit, but ended up playing, I think, nine games. Started against Penn State. I know the coaches like him a lot. And a defensive tackle, Quentin Jefferson, who's just a beast out of Pittsburgh. Um, he just, <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we're just going to fit all the Pittsburgh references He He just, I mean, I remember watching his highlight film when he was in Pittsburgh, and he's just throwing linemen around. <laughs> And he he did a good job, when healthy, at Maryland at defensive end. And I think that he's a good fit for a 4-3 D tackle. The only other name to keep track of um, on on the line is Jesse Annie Bonham. He moved down to defensive end with Yannick Ngakwe. And they have him now backing up Broglio as opposed to Ngakwe, which means that there's a chance that Maryland's two best pass rushers could be attacking from opposite
2: ends of the defensive line. And Maryland did that at the end of last season in a lot of diamond nickel sub-packages that they used. Uh, they would put Andre Monroe at a de facto nose tackle but really just a pass rush on the interior and they'd put Andy Bonham and Ngakwe opposite him on the edges uh and that was devastating even against uh decent offenses well uh not not I, I'm not gonna say decent offenses but against teams with decent offensive lines and offensive tackles like Michigan um where like so not like Penn State, uh, exactly. Um, but He's Andy, too him, high Andy a bar. him and Ngakwe together, That's I think that's the most exciting thing that Maryland's defense can do this year uh, is pair up those guys on passing downs, which I'm sure they're going to do, um, and, and really get after some people. I think they're going to do that pretty well.
1: Quick I think fall. the most exciting thing Maryland's defense can do this year is force someone to throw the ball to Will Likely. Because if yeah. that's going to happen, it's bad news for the offense. He is so good. The more film I watch, it just he blows my mind.
0: Uh, we'll yeah, he's to, incredible. Yeah. We'll get to Will Likely in a second. Uh, first of all, uh, in t- Maryland's last year, they were not very good at run defense. They were really, really good at rushing the passer. Uh, they might not be as good at running the pass, rushing the passer this year. They might be a little bit better at um, playing defense, uh, playing rush defense. Uh, is that the general assessment? Uh, how much of a hit is the pass rush going to take, and how much of an improvement should we see in the run defense with the switch to the four three? I'll start with Alex.
2: Uh, I think the pass rush definitely takes a bit of a hit, but I'm not sure it'll be as steep as people fear. Um, losing Andre Monroe is not a good thing. Um, you know, he was, Randy Yetzel, I think you used to like to say, he was 5'10", or 5'11 on heels. Um, you know, he was a tiny guy. Um, My but, height, if you've seen But he was, he was sneaky and he was really good. Uh, one of the best pass rushers Maryland has. In fact, you know, it's safe to say, the most prolific pass rusher yes. Maryland has literally ever had. Uh, you know, has Even the, more you know, than Randy White. Record. Um, so losing him isn't great, but you, you know we've just mentioned uh, the two defensive ends that Maryland's going to use, uh, as well as Roman Braglio, who we also just mentioned uh, has some pass rushing bona fides and has been in def- in, in offensive backfields before for Maryland. Um, so I think those guys, and especially because there are going to be four of them instead of three of them on the defensive line, um, should get to some quarterbacks. There might not be a ton. Um, but I also think they're going to be helped by the fact that Maryland secondary uh with likely and with sean davis uh and anthony nixon from pittsburgh oh my um, God. <laughs> and, and and uh and, a- <laughs> and a.j hendy back there i mean that's really is a, he in- from pittsburgh <laughs> he's from <laughs> maryland <laughs> he's born, from- born and <laughs> raised good. but the good. point here is that maryland's secondary uh is really good and could create some coverage sacks um so i think maryland's pass rush uh might be okay
0: Uh, And how about the run defense, Pete? Where is that? I mean, last year was just horrendously awful in every possible way. Uh, Is it going to be slightly less horrendously awful?
1: Is this the part where I say, like, segue to linebackers or something?
0: Yes, you can segue to linebackers now.
1: Okay, let's segue to linebackers now. Um, (laughs) Maryland took kind of a hit. podcast hosting there, Pete. (laughs) Kind of took a hit in the preseason. Uh, Four-star linebacker Abner Logan, who was one of the top prospects in his recruiting class out of Massachusetts, uh, suffered an injury. He's going to miss the year. Uh, but Maryland has you know, three linebackers who have proven that they can play on the FBS level. Uh, Jalen Brooks and Jermaine Carter are going to start at Sam and at the inside linebacker position, respectively. They both played spot time for Maryland last year, especially when guys like Matt Robinson and Alex Twine got hurt. Um, and they did well. Uh, but at the will position, there's a new face, Jefferson Ashiru, who transferred in from UConn. He never actually played under Randy Etzel at UConn, but Etzel was did recruit him there. Um, he did a very good job with UConn over the past few years, and I think he's going to be a very solid addition to this team, especially with Logan out. It, it makes a lot of difference. So with them and really by having two tackles, David Shaw can't is the nose tackle. I mean, he could fill up a 3-4 line if he needed to, but you have him plus a Quentin Jefferson to add extra size on the inside. I think that that alone is just going to make such a difference. I mean, Alex can talk about this more than I do just because he did a, an actual study on the, the difference between the 3-4 four and 4-3 four, defense in the Big Ten. Uh,
0: in order to have people still read that, uh, Alex, just a quick summary of that, and then we'll get to
2: the secondary. Uh, yeah, I mean, the point is basically that the Big Ten is almost completely 4-3 at this point. Um, there's some variation and it's not entirely conclusive. I mean, the only, uh, permanent three, four defense is Wisconsin's with Dave Aranda and the Badgers have really good players. Um, they have a really good defense too, and they've stopped the run pretty well. Purdue plays a bit of three, four hasn't had great players, uh, though. I think the, bo- the Boilermakers are on a path to be a little bit better there. Um, but they haven't had very good players. They've used a three, four and they've gotten gashed. Um, so I think having good players is still the most important thing. Um, on the whole, though, it, it does make sense uh, logically and statistically uh, that you're going to give up a little bit less when you play a 4-3 than you do when you play a 3-4. Obviously, you sacrifice something in the secondary, but as I said, Maryland's got the horses back there to maybe mitigate that. So I think it makes sense uh, for, for all the same reasons that Randy Etzel has said it does. And he he knows
0: more than I do. Who to thunk it? Having good players means you have a better defense. Speaking of good players, let's quickly get on to the secondary. Uh, How awesome is it going to be, guys? Is it going to be still ridiculously (laughs) awesome in every way?
1: I think so. I I really am very high on this unit. You know, a lot of depends on the play of the front seven, how much Maryland can force teams to throw the ball. Um, But if teams have to throw the ball against Maryland, it's probably going to be bad news. I, I think that Sean Davis, really showed improvement moving down from safety to corner, and he was definitely the better of the safety duo. Um, He got better when he went down to the cornerback position. I think that he has a great frame for a taller cornerback, which is something Maryland has been looking for, which is funny because their best cornerback is 5'7". Um, and Will Likely is one of the best in the country. He's a lockdown corner who is also a playmaker. He's the team's kick returner and punt returner. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just, just so great. great Great in every way. So they have two lockdown corners, a third guy, Alvin Hill, who's going to play the nickel and has uh, a quite – I don't know if it's accurate to say he's going to play the nickel. He's the third cornerback. I'm sure. Uh, a lo- I'm sure. Well, a, lo- sure a, lo- a, a lot of there. times what Maryland does because
2: of Likely's height is when they go to three cornerback sets, they move him to the nickel. Yep, yep. And um, that makes And that makes some sense. But, I mean, Alvin Hill – um, is only five eleven himself. You know, I think to the extent that likely is covering a team's best receiver, uh, who's a little bigger, uh, he'll mitigates that a bit. But I don't, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, I think for sure that's the three who'll be out there in nickel. Mm-hmm. But uh, I yeah. think it's I think it's worthy of concern that they might not have a fourth who's really you know. I mean, Jarrett yep. Ross has been hasn't played a ton. Um, obviously, Jeremiah Johnson isn't here anymore. Oh. haven't seen a lot from—I think Josh Woods actually moved to safety.
1: Yeah, uh, Josh Woods is at safety, but Daniel Eziagu is still at yeah. corner, and he saw some play as a true freshman. I do think, you know, Josh Woods, Antoine Carter, Denzel Conyers, they're all the backups at safety, and I'll talk about the starters at safety in a minute. Any of those three could play corner if they need them to. I mean, you saw A.J. Hendy was listed as safety for a very long time, but before he was starting, he would also see time as a dime back, and nickelback. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would be unusual to see some Maryland safety spend some time at corner. I mean, all of them have at some point. Um, Anthony Nixon and J. Handy are the two strong safeties. Also a solid group. Uh, you know, Nixon, where's he from, Alex?
2: Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh... Uh,
1: who did he catch passes from in high school?
2: <clears throat> was it? Um, was it? Uh... It would have been Perry Hills sometimes. Um, it was Perry Hills. It was, and so he he's that, had that yeah game. that Woodland Hills the Woodland Hills Central Catholic uh, rivalry was pretty serious for a long time in the WPIAL as it is known. There you go. Yeah. Um, Thanks, you know, Matt. Anthony, Anthony Nixon. I think
1: you know he it's fair to say he struggled at times at safety, um, especially with giving up some deep balls. But I think that's just was part of the difference. I don't know he, him and Sean Davis as a safety pair. I think is much less appealing than him and AJ Hendy. Because mm-hmm. Hendy four-star kid, um, ton of athleticism. I think can help uh, Nixon maybe not have to have so many deep responsibilities. I honestly don't know how Maryland's gonna dole out their safeties, but I would imagine Hendy would make take some of the deeper coverages. I would think so. Um, yeah. um, but we'll see. I mean, they're they're both talented kids. Uh, you have a, the secondary is just a tremendous mix of talent and experience. I mean, that's what you want to see, and that's what they have.
0: Let's move on to a question that uh, we got in a general sense uh, from MD Nasty from the uh, from the comments earlier. Who is your breakout player for the season? Might not be somebody we know all that much about or we haven't talked about all that much, but who is the breakout player for you guys this season? And then we're going to get on to the Big Ten East in quick form. Pete, you first.
1: Wow. Um, that That is a tough question. I think that – I think DJ Moore – is really good, uh, you know. True freshman wide receiver from Philadelphia. Yes, getting
0: Philly. I'm so happy.
1: Getting interest from, uh, <laughs> from uh, you know, a lot of a lot of big time schools. Alabama was talking to him all that, you know, and with the losses that Maryland had at wide receiver, there's really a a, a big void to step up, um, you know, beyond the the top unit. And so I think he's just someone who can have a big year. Uh, Andrew Isaacs is hurt at tight end right now. Derek Hayward. I think is a very interesting red red zone target um, so you mean I don't know how, gonna
0: catch a pass this year
1: <laughs> Lord <By willing>. necessity <laughs> um, another guy I think to watch out for is Avery Edwards he's not on the two deep right now um, true freshman previously committed to North Carolina until a uh, larceny charge ended up them parting ways the charges were dropped Randy Etzel did a thorough check through these in the program but Avery Edwards is a very athletic tight end. I mean, if he, you know, he was at IMG, the past year IMG Academy in Florida training, you'd have to think that he's in great shape. Uh, I think he is perhaps the most explosive weapon, one of the most explosive weapons Maryland has on their offense, just because if you can get someone from the tight end position who can run crisp routes and get in the
0: open field, it's really hard to tackle them. That's nice. Uh, Alex, any for you that uh, Pete didn't
2: mention? Yeah, I think the best receiver on Maryland's roster is going to be Amba Uh and by virtue of the raw amount that Maryland lost there last year, uh, he's going to have a lot of chances, and I think he has the physical tools, the experience, to do pretty well with it, so I'll take him.
0: Okay, so let's now get to a, a Twitter question from Ronald Harnett at Terps underscore Big Man as now we get to the rest of the uh, the Maryland schedule and their record predictions. If the Terps go 3-1 and one or 4-0 in non-conference, both of those are probably going to happen. How do you think they'll finish the season? Ronald says 8-4. and four. He is highly optimistic. Yeah. I... Uh, uh, that is very optimistic. Uh, we're going to tie this into your record predictions. We all assume that they're going to go at least— Three and one in non-conference, they could beat West Virginia. We assume they'll beat Rutgers and, and uh, Indiana. I'm not going to assume they're going to beat Rutgers. I tried that last year, and it didn't work. Uh, so what? where do we see them falling? Because I, I think we can safely assume that uh, Maryland's not beating Ohio State or Michigan State, and probably not Penn State or Wisconsin either.
1: Yeah, you can place your bet on that one right now. The, the Ohio State uh, game is just going to be a, a total disaster. Um, but I, yeah. Yeah, I,
0: and people will still panic like it's the end of the world.
1: Yes, and that, that is a God-given right, I guess. But uh, I think that Maryland, you know, if they, they start the non-conference season as we expect them to, which would be 3-1, and one, um, I think you're, you're still thinking six wins would be nice.
0: Didn't you say seven, though, just before?
1: Seven would be great. Six. Didn't you nice. predict seven? I, I, I don't know about predict. Predict is a strong word. Uh, is, you put it, it on the
0: website. You said seven wins. Yes. Who reads the website? Who reads the... Well, uh, I do. I did before <laughs> I started hosting this podcast. Uh, Alex, I remember you saying six. Who is Marilyn
2: well, I've said six. I've also said four. Uh, and I, I, I've said what six. Do you,
0: what are you saying now that's on the record <laughs> I think, in your I think, the prediction. More,
2: I think the more that I've learned, the more that I, I've liked, um, I tentatively, tentatively... Uh, We'll say six and six, although I think 5.5 and and, uh, 6.5 is probably a better guess. Um, I think Maryland will probably, probably manage to win um, two games out of Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, probably. And I I think that that could get them to six wins, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight.
0: Okay, so uh, where is Mar- – of the three games that we have talked about, Iowa, Michigan, and West Virginia, which has – which does Maryland have the best chance of winning? I've been told Michigan, uh,
2: but I'm, I'm not going to assume that. I mean, they're playing home. Michigan – they're playing Michigan at home. Uh, but last year they went 2-4 and four at home, so. They did, and it's not it's not like Maryland's been a, a dominant home team. Um, but It'll catching, be a night so game. They're catching Michigan much, much, at the best time a Big Ten team could possibly catch Michigan, which is soon, but um, – Jim Harbaugh is going to get his get his uh, teeth sunk into some quarterback. I don't know if that'll be Jake Rudock, who Maryland beat when he was with Iowa last year, year. or if it'll be or if it'll be Steve Morris, who was a former five star who just hasn't worked out. Um, But Harbaugh could give either one of those guys the whole Alex Smith treatment, uh, and Michigan could be a terror as soon as this year. Um, If that happens, my guess is that it will happen a little bit later. Than the first weekend in October. And so that's why I think Maryland at home uh, could be Michigan.
0: Okay, Pete, uh, for you, who's the most likely out of those three that I just mentioned? Since we're going to assume they're not going to be Penn State. I'd love to, but they're not going to. Who are the three? Michigan, Iowa, and West Virginia.
1: Okay, out of those three, in order of likeliness, I'm going to go with Iowa, Michigan, West Virginia. Okay. Uh, I. I, I know you agree. hate
0: Iowa. I know you yeah. hate Iowa.
1: I don't. I love my people from Iowa. They have tremendous college football fans over there who deserve so much better than the product that they've been given. Um, I agree with everything Alex said about Michigan. I think that Jim Harbaugh is going to do great things there, and Maryland is lucky to get them so early on. Um, but Iowa, you know, it's not going to be that much different from last year's team, and I think worse than last year's team. And oh, we yeah, won't beat definitely. that team. Yeah, and I don't think I think
2: they're going to be way worse than last year's team.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's also that hard to to win at Iowa. <laughs> Sorry to say, Iowa fans. Um, and I think going back to West Virginia, then uh, that's going to be a very difficult game. I think that might be the best defense in the Big Twelve, which is surprising for a West Virginia team.
0: That is um, really surprising. They're
1: going to be really difficult.
0: Okay, so let's move on to the final question, and uh, thank you for sticking with us for this uh, longer podcast. If you time this podcast to your runs, you have just gotten fitter and sweated a little <laughs> bit more than you have before. Sorry if you threw up. Uh, what? And I'm going to end each podcast w- during the football season with a question. What are you looking for? So, Pete, what do you want to see from any given player, position, group, coaches? What do you want to see from Maryland against Richmond this Saturday?
1: Honestly, uh, no one get injured is that's the, a good thing. The number one. Uh, the number two, I think just a comfortable win. Limiting mistakes, uh, ideally no turnovers against a team like Richmond. Um, if Maryland's going to win games this year, it's really going to have to limit mistakes because the the team doesn't have enough there on offense, I think, to overcome mistakes. Um, that might be why Perry Hills is in there instead of Caleb Rowe. We're sure going to find out. But uh, if you're playing an FCS team, you can't be messing up.
0: Not like 7-6 to six in 2012, my first football game and the worst football game I've ever seen. Alex, what are you looking for on Saturday? Uh,
2: there will probably be some wrinkles because it's the first game with a 4-3 defense, but uh, I think Maryland really needs to show that it can stop the run with a 4-3 defense. Uh, Richmond last year ran for just a tick over four yards per carry. Uh, that was against an FCS schedule. The best team on it was Virginia. Uh, Virginia was and, and is terrible. Um, <laughs> That's so Maryland nice say. Maryland uh, could use to inspire some confidence um, by pretty much stuffing uh, Richmond's running game, um, and if if not, then you know it obviously would bring up some concerns about what you know Ruchel Shell would do to them in West Virginia, uh, what Akeel Lynch might do to them against don't Penn even State. Make, don't even mention um, the Ohio State. Don't even mention and, and this guy this guy for Ohio State uh, behind these other guys for Ohio State who block for him. Um, I'm just saying if Maryland can't completely stuff Richmond in the running game, um, it would not be the best sign um, heading into the Big Ten schedule. Uh,
0: October 10th is going to be a day. It's going to be Black Saturday. Uh, <laughs> after after the actual Black Saturday. But anyway, uh, thank you for joining us on this extended preview edition of the Maryland uh, Testudo Times podcast. Uh, by the way, I haven't made my uh, record prediction. I'm going to say 6-6, six and six, cut it in the middle, and just hope that the golden road to the quick lane bowl uh, appears in front of the Terps, because that would be nice. I mean, who doesn't like Detroit in December on uh, Boxing Day? Anyway, uh, thank you, Pete, for joining us today. Oh boy, this this has gone really well. Thanks, Pete, for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Alex. Uh, let's get the senior year going, right? Let's do it. Let's get a good win on Saturday just to give ourselves some, uh, some hope. Uh, you will probably see this podcast next week on Sunday night if you're listening on SoundCloud or Monday uh, for conflict reasons. That might happen a couple of times this upcoming football season, but it means you get the podcast a little early. You get to hear my uh, beautiful, angelic voice quicker than you would have normally. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this. Hopefully this has whetted your appetite for Maryland football on Saturday. Of course. Go Topes.